Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Buddha and Brett podcast. Chris is a lawyer, pastor, and a nonprofit executive, and Brett is a producer and business owner. This is the second episode of our new series where we have a fun and interesting discussion with Chris's brother, Colonel Mario Buddha, who is a U2 pilot. And in this episode, we discuss the concept of seizing opportunity and how good leaders prepare so that when opportunity presents itself, they're able to not only seize that opportunity, but also to succeed. You know, the second leadership principle we want to address as we continue our conversation with Colonel Mario Buddha is the idea of seizing opportunities. You know, for so many people, we get frustrated because we, we say we didn't have the opportunity to do this. We didn't have the opportunity to do that. that we weren't given this. You know, we didn't have a silver spoon in our mouth. I understand that. I, I, I get it. But at some point, we've got to take responsibility and ownership of our own lives. And we've got to seize opportunities that come out in front of us, whether we're comfortable with it or not. Sometimes we've got to create our own opportunities, shake the tree a little bit to see what falls out. But we've got to kind of, again, these leadership principles we talked about, Brett, kind of lead into each other, bleed into each other. But the idea of saying, I didn't have an opportunity to do this, I would say I challenge you and create an opportunity to do it. You know, in our first series with Family Feud, what we learned leadership lessons from Family Feud, I know we discussed the fact that initially I almost didn't seize the opportunity. That when we got the call a month after we tried, or excuse me, nine months after we tried out and said, hey, we want to fly down. I had every excuse in the book why my family couldn't do it. They were in different countries. They were working. They were preparing for stuff. Man, if it wasn't for my kids challenging me, saying, man, we've got to seize this opportunity. It comes once. I know we did the tryout for fun just for last, but this is an opportunity here. We've got to do it. I, as a grown man, as the one who was the genesis of this idea we should try out, needed to push from behind a little bit and had to say, hey, let's seize the opportunity. And if you recall that story, Brett, JT was in China for the whole summer. And so it was like, well, we've got to see if we can do it after he gets back. And Andrew had a job. But all those things were saying, hey, here's problems we have. Let, let's address the problems. You don't ignore them. You don't pretend like they don't come. We're not Pollyannish saying, oh, it's so easy. No, but we have an opportunity here. Let's do the heavy lifting to try to make it happen. And that's true, too. I've read, a, I don't know how many years ago, this uh, quote by Richard Branson. Sir Richard Branson was out there, Virgin Atlantic founder, who said, I'm paraphrasing, he said, hey, when opportunity comes, even if you're not sure you can do it, say yes and figure out how to do it later. And it's just that idea, I, I think that you could have some shortcomings to that philosophy. But I think it's the idea of we, we, we say no too easily. We say we can't too easily. I remember as a kid, my uh, stepmom would say, the word can't doesn't exist. And I'm like, well, you just said it so it exists. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? But her point was, don't, don't be the can't guy. You can come to me and tell me what the problems are and why it's not going to work. I get it. Again, we're not pie in the sky pretending like everything's happy, candies and nuts, and every day is Christmas. No, there's problems in the world. There's struggles. But don't be the one who focuses on the struggles. Don't be a problem creator. Be a problem solver. Be the one who initiates. Be the one who says yes to opportunity. And as we hear in this story that we're going to talk to my brother Mary about right now, he gets an opportunity to seize the opportunity of a lifetime doing this TV show with Joan London. So uh, at some point you've been flying the U2 for almost a decade and you hear there's a TV show going to be filmed there. Joan London's behind closed doors. How did you get picked to take Joan London up in the U2? Well, can I, can I throw other people under the bus here? Yeah, absolutely. Any, <laughs> okay. We're going to make it public. So as long as you don't care oh, so about I blowback. Was, <laughs> I was, I was a squadron commander at that time. And, uh, uh, we had we were we, we needed U two pilots. So the the public affairs office on the base had uh, sent out 
to all these major news organizations to, to get people out to fly. So uh, we had a guy uh, from NBC named um, Butcher, Betcher. I uh, can't remember his first name. But I picked one of the guys in the squadron to go fly with him because it's a reward, right? I mean, you get to, you're going to be on TV. So so this was maybe a year before the Joe London thing. This guy, uh, my, my buddy Ed, flew Mr. Betcher from NBC News, and they did a nice 15-minute uh, story on it. We had somebody from ABC News come out. I don't know if we had CBS, uh, CBS News. But, you know, we were trying, we were doing a, a lot of uh, public affairs, trying to get right. more interest from within the Air Force to get guys to come because it was a, a strictly voluntary thing and we needed more pilots. So the public affairs people got a hold of uh, Joan London's uh, production people and they were doing behind closed doors and they had done, uh, I'm pretty sure they'd done something with the Blue Angels and uh, I think they'd done some stuff with a submarine possibly. And uh, so they set up to bring uh, Joan London out and I picked a guy named Brandon King to go fly with Joe London because he was one of my real hard work and instructor pilot. We ran the training squadron. Uh, we trained all the new pilots. Uh, and I picked Brandon to go do this. And one day I get a call from uh, public affairs. And uh, this uh, lieutenant says, hey, sir, uh, we want you to fly with Joe London. I said, no, I picked brandon to go do this uh, you know he's earned it it's it's it's, it's his reward and uh he said uh, but, but i said no i'm not doing it hung up the phone well five minutes later i get a call from a, a colonel that says uh hey uh we want you to fly with joe london i said no no you know i picked brandon i don't want to do it just forget it and he goes i don't think you understand <laughs> i said well i don't think you understand i told brandon he could do it come on you know and he goes uh no and he hangs up and i'm like oh god now what well literally two three minutes later i get a call from the wing commander who's a one-star general and he goes i understand you don't understand i said no sir i understand i got it i understand no now i understand oh i understand now, I understand. now. yeah so uh so that's how i got picked for it because uh, i like i said this it was a big deal and uh i mean it was a lot of hard work but also this this thing, uh, it turned out, you know, it would have been a nice reward for one of the other guys, but I did it. So, well, for for younger listeners who don't know Joan London, Joan London was a big time news anchor, news news lady. She was Good Morning America. Good Morning she America. Was, yeah, she was. Well, I better not say Matt Lauer, right? Uh, <laughs> whoever who, who's who's on the Today Show now? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I mean, watch. she was she was that big. She was. She was the hostess, the host of Good Morning America for years. Okay, and I think again, it, it, people our age would know her very quickly. And at some point, she started branching out and doing other stuff. And this show we're talking about, Behind Closed Doors, was—I don't know how many episodes they made, but the idea was uh, going places. Joan London is an investigative reporter; he go places where you know most people have never gotten to go. And she did some Aquatico with the FBI Academy. She did something I think it was aired with you was the Circus the Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. yeah. But then you mentioned she did some of the Blue Angels. So this was like, you know, so people can see behind these closed doors. So you get told that you're doing this show with Joan London. And that was not, was that 1999? It was actually 98. It aired uh well, it was January 99. We shot it in May of 98. 
And so we, we talked earlier about preparing to, to do this. What the show, uh, we'll link the YouTube uh, video of the show. And I've done it in some previous things I've written, Mario, but the YouTube I found is split into two parts. One was the prep part. One was the part where you show up that morning for breakfast and you meet Joan and you're going to go up in the air. Uh, but she asks you at, at some point, I think it's over breakfast, you know, how do you prepare to go up? And you mentioned visualizing stuff. Is that something you did regularly visualize what the flight's going to be and all that? Yes. And, uh, again, I think pilots for the most part are very, uh, uh, like routine and part of pilot training, you know, your mission plan. So you don't just go out and jump in the plane and go, let's go. Okay. We want to, first of all, you want to make efficient use of the time because your time is limited. So, uh, when your mission plan, uh, you sit down and you go, okay, our objectives for the flight are, and then you'll say our takeoff time is this, what, you know, we're going to, go out and taxi the whole thing. And, and, uh, if like, if we're going to fly a, a mission, like, like a combat mission, we're going to go take pictures of someplace. Uh, I would sit down for hours with the maps and, and look at the maps and look at the, you know, like Google earth pictures of, of, of where am I going? What, what, what's the target? What, what's it, what's the sunlight going to be doing when I'm over it? You know, all you, you're going to go through all of that. And, uh, I think people do it differently, but I like doing visualization to uh, see success. Okay. Like if I'm going to the gym, I, I lifting weights and I'm going to try to, you know, do a, a heavy bench press. I'll sit down on the bench or lay back, take some breaths and then practice, you know, look in my mind, see myself pushing this weight while I'm breathing and get every, everything together. And it was the same thing with flying. You know, I'll go, okay. When, when I get out on the end of the runway for takeoff, I'm going to stand the throttle to this position, check my engine instruments, look at the guy in the car. He's going to give me a thumbs up. I got takeoff clearance, release the brakes, push the throttle forward all the way. You know, I mean, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I use visualization for a lot of things. I think it, it's helpful, especially teaching, teaching, uh, student pilots and teaching kids like playing soccer. It's, it's good. Yeah. I think, you know, the preparation part, brother is some stuff that I'm afraid people don't want to, or aren't willing to invest in. You know, I did my time in Marine Corps PLC in college and it was where I first heard the saying, the more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in the war. Uh, and you thought that was hokey, but it was like, no, the idea is you repet- you use the term repetition a couple of times, you re- repetition, 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 practice, 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 sweat now, succeed later. Uh, I, I know my kids had a, uh, elementary school principal who always said failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And I think that's so much where leaders, business people, even students just, they, they, they want to slop around and just kind of get into stuff. And I think particularly with you, with your military training, but then specific to the U2 and flight school, just the idea that you've got to, you've got to do the heavy lifting on the front end. You've got to be willing to prepare so that when your time comes, you're ready to go. Yeah. And I agree with you. And you had used the example. What was the other thing? Was it some college coach, football coach, Mary, you said it wasn't Oh, the, the it's, will. it's not the will to win. It's the will to prepare to win. Yeah. And you know, those, those things can sound cliche, but if you're ill prepared and try to go ahead with something, you're going to find out that they're more than cliche. They're, they're fact. They're fact. If you don't, if you, if you're not prepared, you, you're going to fail. And so all the preparation in the world, we've talked about it f- 
for most of our time on the phone here, talked about all your preparation and flight training and all your mental preparation. The thing is, though, that gets you a lot of the way down the road. But all the preparation in the world isn't going to protect you when the crap hits the fan. Because sometimes, segueing to another principle of our leadership principle is preparation is the key to victory. The other principle we're talking about is being able to stay calm under adverse situations. And when you took Joan up, uh, I assume you had no thought of anything going wrong. But tell folks, if they haven't seen the YouTube video of the show, you get up there and then what happens? Also, an adverse situation hits you in the nose. All right. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll just do a little background. It it rained the night before we flew. And uh, rain in, in Northern California in May is kind of odd, but there were some puddles out there. And uh, we have to ta- actually, it actually delayed the takeoff because there was some fog from it. So we took off a little bit late. Uh, we taxied out and we went through these puddles. And, you know, you go through a puddle, it splashes water. So, uh, and when you take off in this airplane, you go from the ground to 10,000 feet in a minute. Uh, and, and somewhere in there, the temperature changes and you cross the freezing level. So uh, water turns to ice, but just that's, that's what's in my head. So we go out. We've left this episode on a bit of a cliffhanger. Check in next week to hear how Colonel Mario Buda deals with a frightening and unforeseen obstacle while in the air on television with Joan London and how he was able to stay calm under immense pressure. This podcast is recorded and produced by me, Brett Hammond, at www.bhammond.com.